Did Jesus not ever command us to go to church? Did Christ's death on the cross heal us of our diseases? And did God mean for women to rule over men? The answers to these questions and others when we understand the text. This is When We Understand the Text, Strengthening the Body of Christ with daily teaching from the Word of Christ. Tell your friends about our ministry at www.utt.com. Here once again is Pastor Gabe. Thank you, Becky. You're welcome. Tomorrow, Donald Trump is announcing his Supreme Court nominee Mm -hmm. who will fill the seat of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who died a week ago. Oh, okay. And I that, thought he already did that. No, that that's tomorrow. Okay. He said he's going to announce it on Saturday. Oh, okay. Now, I guess I missed something because with all the postings of this person and promoting this person and promoting, you know. Yeah, whatever. there's plenty of people have talked about it. We know who the top two candidates are going to be. Oh, okay. Uh, but the the actual nominee that Donald Trump is putting forward we don't know that yet. Oh, okay. We're going to talk about this again I later on in the program. Through it, so, okay. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, there's a lot of political hoopla there around this. There's a lot. Yeah. And we remember what happened with his last nominee, mm. the way the left just ignited into a firestorm and all kinds of false accusations against Kavanaugh uh, and uh, and what his family even had to go through in the midst of oh, all of that. Oh, my goodness. This is yes. the way the left behaves. So we can expect that there's going to be all kinds of godless behavior on their part. So pray for uh, this candidate, this yeah. nominee, that uh, they're they're going to be able to have the steadfastness to be able to go through this yet again mm-hmm. and pray for some kind of sanity in our nation. Oh, <laughs> seriously. Might be a little too much to ask for, it seems like. But uh, yeah, when we have it described in Scripture as a wicked and crooked generation, mm-hmm. that is most definitely describing this generation right now. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. When something happens that the left doesn't like, they're going to go out and riot. Yep. And burn buildings down. Yep. It's, Tr- it's just funny how they, they like say, you know, like every other time of the year, they're like, oh, ban guns and you got to take away your guns and no guns allowed and yada, yada, yada. And, and all of a sudden they're using those guns. <laughs> now they're going out and shooting people and shooting people. Wait including a second. Police. Yeah. I thought you guys were against this. Yeah. What's happening here? You know, well, I mean, they they ambushing people. They kill their children. They uphold this as like the most sacred right of the left protecting abortion. Mm. The most uh, innocent among us that need our protection. Yeah. And yet the left is they're killing them by 3000 children per day, a million babies per year through the practice of abortion. So you can't expect them to have uh, any kind of of rational sanity when it comes to dealing with human issues. Uh, Pray for them. We we weep over this generation desiring that repentance would sweep this land, there would be revival, and the gospel of Christ would go forth. Oh, that would be amazing. The instruction that we have in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, is we do all things without grumbling or disputing, mm-hmm. so we can't behave the way that they are behaving, mm-hmm. but that we might be blameless and innocent children of God in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom we shine as lights in the world as we hold out the word of life. Mm-hmm. So even those that we're looking at behaving as irrational animals, Second Peter chapter two, yeah, and in Jude, 
we still need to hold out the gospel because it is through the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ that a person is convicted of sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. They become a brand new person. And that person who was previously dead has been raised to life in Christ Mm -hmm. through the good news of the gospel. A lot of political debate and everything going on right now. And I think most of us have a desire of how we want this election to go coming up here. And where are we at? Uh, Six weeks, a little more than six weeks away. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty close. I think we have an idea where we want this to go, but our uh, we're not depending upon the election results. Well, let me just put it this way. We can't depend upon the election results. Can't depend upon them to turn the attitude in the direction of this nation. It's more like we're trying to prevent something than uh, than move things toward, you know, greater sanity and semblance mm. of reason. Right. Uh, uh, anyway. So, yeah, I'm, I'm praying for this nominee. Uh, I'm praying that uh, that we are still able to uphold some sense of law and justice mm-hmm. in this country, though. A lot of those things have been eroding away, not just this year, but in years previous. And not just with the society or civilians but also in some of the police forces even in some of the cities their governments yeah city governments right yeah Yeah, it's not just on the federal level no it's um that they totally like okay you can do whatever you want and our police can't do anything to defend themselves and things like that it's like what on earth are you guys doing yeah there's that and then there's also these tyrant mayors who behave in a certain yes, way. Yes, them too. Like telling people that they can't gather, they have to wear masks, they don't arrest people in the riots. Yes. They just let them riot and act like crazy right. people. But then when you have peaceful gatherings, well, you're not distancing enough, you're not wearing your mask, we're going to fine you, we're going to arrest you. And the police are serving those tyrant mayors who are behaving this way instead of upholding the peace and serving the citizens, mm. which they're supposed to do. Uh, I still pray for our police officers. Great respect for these men. Definitely. uh, Men and women who have to put their lives on the line for people that largely don't appreciate the job that they do. Mm -hmm. And that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. Especially in our present climate, our present context. But uh, so still pray for your officers. At the same time, there are officers that very unfortunately have lost their way in understanding what their job is supposed to be to uphold the peace and serve the citizens mm-hmm. that uh, that they uh, Very I, true. Yeah. I mean, arresting citizens that are not doing anything wrong. Well, I mean, sometimes it comes up from the higher ups. You know, you you have to do what you're told to do. But at the same time, it, I mean, where does it stop? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you <laughs> at what point stop? do you know? I can't be serving can't be serving what the mayor is saying about a mask mandate. And I have seen some officers go against that. We've seen videos online of officers that are saying, well, the rule here in our town is you have to wear a mask. You have to social distance. But I'm telling you, people go out and have fun. Just be safe. Mm -hmm. You know, so some officers are like, I'm not going to uphold this. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that. But then there are others that are. They're not serving the citizens. They're serving the mayors who are handing down these rules. Hmm. Meanwhile, the mayors are leaving their towns and going uh, uh, outside and gone. Yeah. And they're enjoying, you know, their country clubs and dinner outings at other places where they don't have the laws that they laid down in their own city. Hmm. (laughs) I could give examples of this, uh, but I didn't write any of them down. It's just from all the stuff that I've been reading and videos I've been watching and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Be in prayer. We're seeing all the. 
uh, all this stuff come out before us if you're on social media in in you know any sort of a way light or heavy use of social media you've seen a lot of these videos mm-hmm. probably heard about what happened uh with Christchurch in moscow idaho mm-hmm. that they were having a hymn sing outdoors and then gabe wrench who is one of the guys with cross politic mm-hmm. uh he got arrested mm-hmm. watch the video you're watching this guy get arrested he was totally peaceful very cooperative with the police he the the ticket that he received the fine that he was that he received was because he was not masking up and he was not social distancing. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why he got arrested. There were other people from the church who were also outside singing without masks. We're not distancing. They got arrested as well. I think it was six individuals or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Five or six, five or six that ended up getting arrested. So we're seeing people outside singing hymns mm-hmm. getting arrested. Yep. That's absurd because they didn't have enough distance between one another. Yeah, enough distance between one another. Right. Mm-hmm. Is somebody out there measuring? They got a tape measure. Uh, you're five feet, not six feet. So going to have to give you a fine. That's <laughs> and All of this has been incredibly ridiculous. Never thought that I would see it in the Western world. Not this quickly. I think we saw things heading in this direction, but we just didn't think it would snowball into this in a single year. Oh, my goodness. Which COVID well, has kind of exacerbated all of that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I read an article uh, on a website not long ago that was talking about how all of the Hollywood movies that have come out this year seem to be perfectly fit to a pandemic year. Oh, really? Some of the things that have been going on in our culture related to pandemic or social distancing or quarantining or isolating at home or any of these things. So why is it that the movies look like they've been specifically chosen for this year when the studios were green lighting them two or three years ago Hmm. before any of this stuff happened. Intriguing. It's because we were already going this way as a culture, Hmm. but 2020 just made it happen. Yeah. All the faster. We were already going in the direction of, we don't have to go to the office anymore. I can work at home. Uh, I can interact with people online. I don't actually have to go out and do it. And even within evangelicalism, though the movies aren't showing this, we were we were already seeing a lot of Christians. I don't have to go to church this right. Sunday. Yeah, I can just we stay home and watch it online. Yeah. yeah, and with the the what whatever online church that was. Oh, church ohm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Judah Smith's uh, church ohm. Yeah, which he launched. I think it was just last year. We were making fun of that. I think so. Yeah, and they are actually selling it. As this is church at home, yes. which you can watch online mm-hmm. and do it on your phone. Like church is the building is online, not not there is a building that you can go whenever yeah. you want to go. Yep. It's all online. Yeah. Uh, and there's the clip recently that had been circulating with Andy Stanley, mm. who was talking about how Jesus never instructed you to go to church. Did you see this? No. Hey, I'm going to bring it up for you. No. Yeah, here we go. Ready? Oh. Ready? Here is Andy Stanley <laughs> talking okay. about how Jesus never told you to go to church. Again, um, I think the church always looks better when we are um, defending other people's rights rather than defending our own. The church always looks better when we're giving away rather than demanding our way. And this is what Jesus modeled. Um you know, it's really interesting there. Uh, so I've, I forgot to sort of set this up. This is an interview with David Nasser at Liberty University. Okay. Uh, so they're talking about, I don't know what they're talking about. I never know what Andy's talking 
<laughs> it's just Andy's brain farts come into there somewhere. And uh, and he's always twisting scripture, which he did a lot of before this clip. And he does some. I, it just depends on how much I'm going to play here. Mm-hmm. But anyway, you notice there at the very beginning, he said the, the church's responsibility is to defend the rights of others. Well, I've got a clip from Andy in an interview that he did with Russell Moore in which he said he would never tell a woman that abortion is murder. So he's not out to defend the so rights of the unborn children. Some people. Yeah, only only some people. Only the people that Andy deems worthy of defending the rights of because it benefits him and his church. Mm. That's who that's whose rights he's going to defend. <sighs> the statement really doesn't make sense. I don't see any consistency in that in Stanley or in North Point Community Church in Atlanta. Anyway, that was just kind of a side note because that's not really the point that I'm okay. getting to. Keep going people on the other end of this argument i keep hearing them say over and over the lord commands us to meet the lord commands us to meet he does not he commands that we lay down our lives for our friends that we do what's best for others even the apostle paul said this when describing jesus in 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 his uh, letter to philippians he said he who was equal with god did not consider equality with god something to be grasped he who was made in the image of god did not in other words jesus this is amazing jesus never played the god card uh, Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. <laughs> but that's not a God card. <laughs> or how about uh, the conversation he had with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16? Who do you say that I am? For you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father who is in heaven. Mm, that's not a God card either. <laughs> uh, anyway. But yes, he says, Jesus never commanded us to gather. Well, the very fact, and they're in that conversation with his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, the very fact that he calls us the church is a command to gather. Yep. Because church is an assembly. It is a gathering of the saints together. Mm-hmm. And we gather together to break bread and have communion, which we have to be together to do together (laughs) where he goes on to say that we're supposed to lay down our lives for one another we're supposed to be uh uh, showing love and care for one another good luck doing that over a computer well i guess you're still kind of together i mean he just totally contradicts himself yeah i don't get it we're not supposed to gather but you're supposed to love one another then we gather (laughs) yeah you love each other by gathering were we incapable of showing love to one another until we created church online 20 years ago? Yeah, I've heard so many times where people don't, um, like with this COVID thing, they don't realize how much they miss the human touch until somebody yeah. actually like reaches out a hand and pats them on the back or something. And then they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're, we're just, all like, you got to be together to know that we're all going to become the really fat people on Wally in yes. the big chairs that are, we're just staring at our screens. Cartoon. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We're going to go from real people, <laughs> real to, cartoon. people to cartoons. Right. That, that is what happened in the movie, too. <laughs> <laughs> but listen to listen to the instruction that we have on gathering in Hebrews 10. Listen to listen to how this is worded. OK. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 
Let us consider how to stir one another up to love, not neglecting to meet together. Mm. So Andy Stanley's contradicting himself. Jesus never commanded us to meet. He told us to love one another. Right. Which we do by meeting, Mm -hmm. which we do by getting together. They go hand in hand. How absurd this idea Uh, that we've, uh, uh. they go hand in hand. There you go. Hand in hand. (laughs) Uh, how, How absurd this idea that we've generated this year that I'm loving my neighbor by staying home and not interacting with my neighbor. It's, it's so absurd. That is nonsense. I, I, I could. Thus I, continues the insanity. Yeah, it baffled me how easily the church just totally gave in to that. There was like virtually no pushback on it at all when it was well, first being presented. I mean, I, I kind of understand because I, we have, you know, we want to protect our older generations too. Because yeah. it, I mean, at first it was really scary that that was who were claimed to be first affected. Yes. And we want to keep them around. I yeah, but we didn't know but, the depth. And it was only supposed to be 2 weeks. Oh yeah, right. What what are we on now? 6 months of of uh 15 days to slow the spread? Oh, I swear it's been more than that. It's about 6 months. I think that's where we are. I it, think the 6 month anniversary was like last that. week. <laughs> it feels longer. Yeah. I mean, we didn't know. We didn't know that this d- disease really wasn't what everybody was hyping it up to be. And now it's just a mental disease. A mental disease. Yes, it's gone to everybody's head. Well, that's true. Yeah, it's made everybody crazy. But we do want to acknowledge and we want to be sensitive to the fact that there are people that have died of this. Oh, yeah. Yeah. By all means. Um And we know people. Seri- yes. Yeah. We know persons. It is serious. We don't know anybody personally who's died from it, but we do have personal acquaintances who have had loved ones who have died of it. Right. So it is a serious disease. Uh, I don't think our criticism of it should go the direction of calling it a hoax or saying no, that. Not by any means. Uh, or, yeah, or being becoming so insensitive toward it that we forget the fact that there are people who have died of this and have lost loved ones to it. We want to be sensitive to those things. Or have long-lasting effects because they've had it. That that too, yeah. right. But I do believe that our reaction to this disease is having a more detrimental effect on people than the disease itself. Mm-hmm. We're going to get to the other side of this, and it might take us a couple of years of study before we really realize the impact that this whole lockdown and social distancing thing has had on people. But suicides have already surpassed oh my goodness. the number so of people bad. who've died of COVID-19. So bad. And there are other diseases that have become worse and more widespread mm-hmm. because medical personnel has been focusing on COVID-19. Yep. There are medical procedures. There are treatments. Uh, there are operations and uh, and doctor's visits and things of that nature that have not happened Mm -hmm. to help people with ongoing uh, disabilities or medical needs Mm -hmm. that their lifespan is now shorter or they have died because they weren't getting the medical care that they needed right since virtually all of medical care in the united states has been primarily focused on covid19 before anything else right it's absurd to say you're loving your neighbor by staying home you're actually doing the very opposite. Mm-hmm. You're not showing love to your neighbor who probably really needs it today. Mm. But you're like, yeah. no, I'm not going to come over out of my affection for you mm-hmm. because I don't want to risk that I might breathe on you and you could catch COVID-19, mm-hmm. which is not a death sentence if you get it anyway. Yeah. 
Not a guaranteed death sentence. Right. Right. Yeah. So anyway, being sensitive to people who have uh, who have uh, contracted this, who are suffering from it. But we can't lose our heads over it either. No joke. Because the madness that we have fallen into is going to have massive long lasting effects. Just all those mayors. They just drive me crazy. <laughs> oh, goodness. And yeah, the there governors. Are, there are some people who are just tripping on the power trip right now no that they get from this. Joke. I just can't believe it. There are power I mean, I hungry can. individuals. I can't believe it. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That's the depravity of man. Not be in those positions. Abraham Lincoln once said mm. that if you want to sh- if you want to see the true character of a man, give him authority, give him power. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's one way to figure it out. We, quickly. Yep. We've sure seen true colors of a lot of individuals. Then they have authority. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> That is uh, that is unfortunate. All right, we're gonna we're gonna continue on with some questions here. This right. is Friday, and we answer questions from the listeners. You can send those questions to when we understand the text at gmail.com. This first one is from Joe, and he says, "Hey, what? I want to start by saying that this is an awesome ministry that you've got here. Lord willing, you'll have many more years to come. We've done this for five years. Yeah, yeah. That's on the uh, on the sticker on our our picture on yep. the podcast now." Five-year anniversary. Incredibly helpful, informative videos, and to the point, which is nice for those with short attention spans. My <laughs> Me kids, included. Yeah, my kids appreciate that, too. I searched in your archives, and I could not find a video on Christ dying or paying for your sickness. The whole command... Uh, the uh, command the sickness out type of talk. Not something I personally believe, but I know many who do. I would love a video on that. Maybe you have one and I'll keep searching. Anyway, from believer to believer, may the Lord bless you and yours and this ministry. Aw, thanks, Joe. Well, if you're thinking of like the statement in Isaiah 53 where it says, by his wounds we are healed, mm, and that's uh-huh. sometimes taken by charismatics to say Jesus' death on the cross means that we've been healed of our sins. Okay. Uh, well, yeah, it, we are healed of our sins. But, right. But they take that to mean that Christ's death on the cross also means that you can be healed of all your diseases. Six. Yeah, sicknesses. All, all your sicknesses as well. I haven't done a video on that, and it's a shame on me for not have done that yet because that verse is often taken out of context 300 videos and i haven't done one on that one yeah but didn't you haven't done one about like the glasses faith healers faith healers yeah Yeah. never trust a faith healer with glasses yeah didn't you do one on that that it's this video right here oh look at that i was right (laughs) good sake babe (laughs) (gasps) what is a faith healer A figment of imagination, that's what it is. Like Bigfoot and the Loch Ness Monster, a faith healer is a hoax. You might say, wait a moment, doesn't the Bible say that some will be given gifts of healing? Yes, but it doesn't say anyone will be a faith healer. But what about Peter or Paul? They healed people. Sure they did, and sometimes they didn't. Paul could not heal himself when he got sick and had to stop in Galatia, nor did he heal Timothy of his frequent ailments. So what was the purpose of these miracles, like speaking other languages, revealing prophecy, or healing the sick, and even raising the dead? 
said. Hebrews 2, 3 through 4 says that the message of salvation, the gospel, was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to His will. So miracles were to affirm that the message of the gospel came from God. Some people had these gifts, like the apostles, and some did not, like almost everyone else. But even the apostles could only perform miracles according to the will of the Spirit. As God's message spread, eventually the regularity of miracles diminished, as was the case after Moses and Elijah's ministries. Today's faith healers claim to heal by faith. Then why aren't they clearing out hospitals or on the scene after a natural disaster? because they know they're liars. It's as clear as the eyeglasses they wear. There are two places faith healers won't go, children's hospitals and heaven, if they don't repent when we understand the text. The statement there in the video is, it's as clear as the eyeglasses they wear. Mm -hmm. And when you watch the video, there's pictures of various faith healers with glasses on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you can heal, why are you wearing glasses? That's a very good question. I also like the picture of Bill Johnson, pastor of Bethel Church, because uh-huh. he's one that's that's in that video. Uh, and he's uh, he's preaching and he's got a bandage on his finger and he's what? pointing. The picture is him pointing in his Bible and his his fingers are all bandaged up. Oh, my goodness. What'd you do to your fingers there, Bill? <laughs> if you can heal, why are your fingers bandaged? That's a great question. Yeah, anyway. Curious minds want to know. I didn't have a video on the by his stripes we are healed. I do need to do that one Mm because that that passage comes up all the time. But there you go. I did have that one on faith healers. I hope that one is satisfactory for you, Joe. Yeah, hopefully it helps. There are other videos regarding charismaticism, Mm -hmm. but that one specifically on, on healing. Yeah. This next one comes from Scott. He says, hello, Pastor Gabe. Greetings from Connecticut. Awesome. I have been listening to your podcast for the past few months and thank the Lord for leading me to your ministry. It has helped me better understand the text. Yay! And grow as a Christian. I apologize if you have already answered this question or something similar, but I was wondering if you have any recommendations for foundational books every believer or especially male believer should read. I have really been digging into the topic of manhood And seeing that I am a relatively new husband, three years and married at 23 Hmm. and did not grow up in a home that routinely practiced Bible time, devotionals, etc. I have been trying to prepare myself in the area of being a biblical man, husband and Lord willing father. In addition, recently, I've realized the large distinction between premillennialism versus postmillennialism and how this theology really plays out in one's worldview. My church holds to the premillennialist view. Is there a book that you recommend that tackles this issue? Well, I've got some. Uh, I've got some books listed here regarding the uh, the end times thing. So I'll get to that here in a moment. But let me see. Uh, looking at my shelf over here at books. Hang on a second. I have a question about okay. his question. All right. He says that tackles this issue. So meaning like he wants it explained, or he wants it like he doesn't agree with it, and he wants it. Oh, just coming to an understanding of like premillennialism versus postmillennialism. Oh, okay. That's, yeah. Uh, that's what I was wondering. Okay. So the list of books I have here actually goes through a variety of views. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. I, I kind of balance it out a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so let's talk about books. Talk about books that you would like that would help Tons with. Tons of books. Yeah, there's lots of books. Uh, can look over here. Well, let me just give you some basic things. So the uh, the growth in 
in manhood, especially when it comes to being a good husband and a father, uh, is is just a basic understanding of good doctrine. Mm -hmm. So if you're listening to good doctrinal teaching, those things will come Mm -hmm. as a man who loves the gospel and who loves Christ and desires to imitate Christ. I would tell you that you grow in your understanding of Christ first before you start looking for books that are like, how do I be a better husband and how do I be a better father? Mm -hmm. If you're imitating Christ, you will be those things. You will be a better husband and father. Definitely. So he is he is the thing that I am focusing on the most when it comes to how do I love my wife and how do I love my kids? Jesus is teaching his own whom he refers to as children, children of the father. And if we want to enter the kingdom of God, then we must we must become like children in order to enter the kingdom of God. Unless you become like a child, you will not see the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And as we've been talking about going through Romans, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, we've received this adoption. And by the adoption we've received in Christ with the Holy Spirit in our, in our hearts, we call upon God as our heavenly father. Right. He is going to be your greatest role model when it comes to fatherhood and manhood. Looking at Christ, looking at our father who is in heaven, and the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you that you may understand the things that you read according to Scripture. So I may not give you some books that that give like just a straight up, well, here's a good way toward husbandry or here's a good way toward fathery. Mm-hmm. I'm just making up my own word there. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I would highly recommend that you read the book Good News by John MacArthur. No Other Gospel. That would be another one. And uh, and it, hey, if you want to get some good role models for manhood, read 12 Ordinary Men, mm. the book that John MacArthur wrote about the apostles that Jesus chose, mm-hmm. because we're supposed to be imitators of them. Right. Remember that Paul said to the Corinthians in first Corinthians 11, one, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. We yeah. have role models in the uh, in the scriptures for us there but then also as we have given to us in hebrews chapter 13 we're supposed to model the behavior of those who have been set above us that lead us in the word remember your leaders this is hebrews 13 7 remember your leaders those who spoke to you the way of god the word of god consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith verse 17 obey your leaders and submit to them For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Hmm. So I hope you have good elders, a good pastor, good role models within your church who can help guide you in an understanding of uh, of being a good husband and being a good father. They're going to have a better influence on you than what... I'm saying Mm -hmm. through this program and what you'll read in these books. Right. Keep you accountable. Exactly. And see, this goes back to like, well, we don't need to gather together. Jesus didn't instruct us to gather together. (laughs) I roll my eyes every time too, I bet. (laughs) If if we don't gather together, you don't have those uh, accountability partners, those right. those teachers that by their example show you on how to be a good husband and a father. Because anybody can text a lie. Well, yeah, you can you can make yourself to be whoever you want online. Exactly. It's why you got all those anons on Twitter. I don't know who this person is. They don't even use their real photo. <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay, so what other books I was going to give you? The Holiness of God by R.C. Sproul. Mm. Chosen yes. by God by Sproul. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's real good as well. 
He's got one on marriage. Hang on a second. I'm going over here. You're going to have to talk, babe, because I'm, I'm leaving oh, my I'm, seat. Oh, I'm going to talk. Yeah, okay, right. so I'm going to fill in the blanks. I'm not really good at this, but he's leaning over, and he's really hunting. Here it is. I got and it. he found it. I got it. I got it. Okay, so this is a really old scroll book. That's kind of weird. Play-by-play play of me looking uh, uh, for a book on, <laughs> on the shelf. I've got nothing. Thank you, thank you for not going into too much detail there. <laughs> Um, I'm trying to see when this was published. It previously belonged to Fellowship Baptist Church Library in Olathe, Kansas. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I know exactly where I got this book. It was, uh, it was at the, um, uh, one of the, uh, uh, Kansas, Nebraska Southern Baptist state conventions. And they have just tables full of free books. They're just free oh, grabs. Oh, yeah. So I was going through all those books and came across that one. I was like, hey, an R.C. Sproul book I hadn't read. What are you looking at? Um, You're trying to find the year. Yeah, it says 1960s. The Yeah, that's right. That would be right. So 1960 was when it was published. Yep. Yep. Okay, so it's a really old book, uh, but just like Holiness of God. I mean, and that was really old. You mean book wise? This book is old, too. Yeah. It, but yes. yeah. <laughs> When, when was, when was like the most recent publication? People born in 1960. You wouldn't be calling them old. Oh, no, 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 no. This wasn't published in 60. It was 1977. Uh, uh, sorry. the um, six. This was published, originally published in 1975. says right there. Originally published in 1975 under the same title by Bethany Fellowship, Inc. First published by Tyndale House in 1986. Uh, the quote, quotation. Oh, the quotations are from 1960. Okay. Yeah. So, right. The quotations from the New American Standard Bible, that's because okay. it was it was first translated in 1960. I just went with the first um, date that I saw. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Sorry. Anyway, have we even said the title of the book yet? No. Nope. It's The Intimate Marriage by R.C. Sproul, A Practical Guide to Building a Great Marriage. There you go. A much older book. It's not one that I've seen in reprint. I don't know maybe if you can find that one or not, but... Uh, it's a great book. It's Sproul, and we know how much he loved Vesta. Yes, definitely. <laughs> they had a great marriage. Uh, let's see if there's anything else on the shelf over here that just immediately stands out to me. Mm. No. I have I have mostly commentaries. <laughs> <laughs> That's mostly what I read are, are commentaries. So Becky finds this book. It's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, she just pulled it up on her phone, and she was still able to find it. Yep. The Intimate Marriage by R.C. Sproul. Yep. There are current copies of it that you can get. Yes. Good. I'm glad, because it was a great book. Uh, but yeah, like I said, reading uh, about God, reading about who Christ is, these things are going to help you in being a good husband and a father more than anything. Mm -hmm. You say you do Bible reading, also real good. Oh, yes. Continue to keep that up. Mm -hmm. And thank you for watching the videos and for listening to the program. Okay, the other question you had was regarding end times views. Mm -hmm. You said that your church holds the premillennialist view. You're also curious about postmillennialism. So I've got some books that I've compiled here for you to read, and it, it kind of gives a balanced outlook on all these views. Whenever we've answered this question on this program, the first resource that Becky and I recommend is a pamphlet that was published by Timothy Paul Jones, and it's called Four Views of the End Times. Right. You can get it on Amazon for just uh, $3.99 is what it costs on Amazon. 
I've also got it on my Kindle. Mm -hmm. You can get the digital version of this as well. Mm -hmm. That goes through all of the the four main end times views. Yeah. One, two, three, four. Number four. Classical premillennialism, dispensational premillennialism, amillennialism, and postmillennialism. And we'll even give you like a, a short sort of a section at the end of each view showing you famous persons who have held this particular view. Current ministers and even dead theologians okay i don't really find that terribly helpful though yeah. uh because when i was looking through that that list i was going uh i don't know who this is <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of names that were mentioned in there it seemed like the most recognizable names were all in the dispensationalist category maybe they're the ones that become the most popular uh but it, but yeah even among dispensationalism you're going to have a person that holds to that view like say for example john hagee mm-hmm. but then you also have john MacArthur, and though they're both dispensationalists they are radically different dispensationalists. oh yeah definitely john hagee's a heretic so anyway mm-hmm. but i still recommend that that's a good pamphlet kind of gives you just the basic overview of what those four end times views are Then, if you want to dive into some books that give you a a more robust perspective on each individual view, there's Postmillennialism, An Eschatology of Hope by Keith A. Matheson. Mm -hmm. There's A Case for Amillennialism by Kim Riddlebarger. There's A Case for Historic Premillennialism by Craig Blomberg. And then there's Dispensationalism by Michael Vlack. Mm -hmm. So there's the four books right there. You get... A, a broader understanding of each of those four end times views from those four authors. I've read all four of them, and I think that uh, less so Craig Blomberg's book. I really don't think I got to the end, but I still read it <laughs> anyway. Uh, the uh, Craig. Yeah. What did I say? Chris. Oh, did I say Chris? Yeah. I think so. Craig Blomberg mm-hmm. uh, used to be the uh, Acts 15 apologetics, I think was the name of his ministry. Oh, OK. Um, anyway. So read those four books if you want to do more reading into end time subjects. And there you go. Thank you for your question, Scott. This next one comes from a friend in Washington. I don't have a name on this. I'm a bit behind on the podcast on the order of salvation. That was back in Romans chapter eight. And admittedly, I'm still confused about foreknowledge, though I trust your explanation wholeheartedly. Your series has helped a lot. It's hard to wrap my head around the fact that uh, that our choice to follow him wasn't there before we were created, but him being as powerful and omnipotent as he is, he had to know. Mm. He he chose us. We did not choose him. We could not choose God before we were created. Right. And yet in his foreknowledge of us, he put his affection on us before we were even born. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, my son got a New Testament recovery version, NTRV, for free, and I was wondering what exactly it is and if I should be leery of it. We've talked about this on the program before. It was very brief, but uh, I, I haven't studied the recovery version extensively. I'm less concerned about the translation itself and more with the stuff that's in the footnotes mm. because it's practically a study Bible. And the group that it comes from, which is the local church movement from Witness Lee, uh, is they're um, they're a mess. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about that on the program before. I did kind yeah. of a brief overview of them and said, I don't really know much, but here's kind of the brief thing. And then there was a guy that wrote in and said, oh, no, they're real bad. <laughs> and because he had a lot of experience with the local church movement. So he kind of laid out. That. Yeah. Laid out the problems with the doctrine 
And uh, and so therefore we had to go, all right, have nothing to do with the local church movement. So I would say just avoid it. Don't read the recovery version just because there are better, less problematic translations. Right. Stick with an ESV study Bible, uh, MacArthur study Bible, NASB, um, the Reformation study Bible. Those are all still real good. Mm -hmm. Don't don't have anything to do with the recovery version. Mm -hmm. It's you're it's going to cause more problems than it's ever going to help. Right. And then to unlearn something you've already learned. Oh, that's that's tough. No kidding. Definitely. Especially at a young age. On these last couple of questions here, these are actually responses to something that I posted on Twitter. And the first thing is uh, is a statement that I made about our uh, the, the need for us to believe even some of those doctrines in the Bible that we consider to be secondary or tertiary. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, we'll say something about creation. It's not necessary to believe in six-day creation in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. And so saying something like that gives somebody permission to believe in Darwinism and still think that they can be a Christian as long as they believe that Christ died on the cross for our sins. Okay. But you're actually believing in something unbiblical, and you're going right. to run into some massive theological problems with uh, with what you have in the text. So I made a tweet kind of in response to all of that. And I said this, those Old Testament stories are kind of weird. Adam and Eve, a global flood, bread from heaven, the law swallowed by a fish. Must I believe this? And then I quoted Luke 16, 31. Jesus said, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded even if someone rises from the dead. And in response to that, Rebecca replied, there's a name for you, Rebecca. Yeah. That's Becky's but, name. But you you didn't <laughs> say the reference. Luke 16. I did. I said Jesus said in Luke 1631. Oh, and you then I did. Yeah, didn't I did. you? I'm yep. sorry. <laughs> anyway. But here it's it's written out different. It and is. I'm tired. So. Yes. <laughs> so you're trying to follow what I wrote I down. I am. Yeah. And I'm kind of jumping around a little bit. You are. You're throwing me. Okay, go ahead. So Rebecca. Rebecca Mm -hmm. said. Yes, good name. Yeah, because this this statement, I've never heard this before. She said, we're going through the book of Exodus. Some people actually accept the naturalist explanation for manna as lice feces. Ew. (laughs) I have never heard this before. That the manna that the children of Israel were eating in the wilderness were lice feces. She said, truly, somehow the lice pooped a million gallons every night, (laughs) but none at all the night before the Sabbath and twice as much the night before Sabbath Eve. They're really smart lice. (laughs) What on earth? Oh, that's a first for me. I have never heard that before. Pooping lice. Wow. (laughs) Can you eat lice poop? I just <laughs> I don't I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> oh, that is new. I have I've never heard that explanation before. So you know, there's always these people who have these na- natural explanations for miracles that happen in the Bible. They weren't really miraculous. What one of my favorites? I think this lice was, poop though. Lice poop. Yeah. Seriously. Yep. Like <laughs> really. Oh goodness. Oh, my. One of my favorites was, I think this was the early 2000s. There was that guy that came up with the idea that Jesus was walking on the water because he was standing on an ice floe in the Sea sea of Galilee. All right. (laughs) 
I think it's more miraculous that there was an ice flow in the Sea of Galilee. <laughs> <All right. laughs> oh, man. Oh, boy. This is, uh, it, it's incredible the ridiculous lengths we will go to to try to excuse not having to believe in the Word of God. Mm. <laughs> Speaking of that, Oh, my. I've been generating some other controversy on Twitter because I've been uh, once again tweeting about patriarchy. Oh, dear. (laughs) And saying some things about uh, how men have been given these positions of authority to step up and lead. And women are not supposed to be having these ruling positions over men. Right. We talked at the very beginning about how uh, Donald Trump is going to be selecting his Supreme Court nominee, or he's going to be revealing who that nominee is tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And I made this statement on Twitter. I said, I support Trump's conservative SCOTUS nominee, Supreme Court of the United States, whom he has said will be a woman. And I pray for her because of the firestorm that is about to ensue. But in a God-fearing nation, all the judges on that bench would be and should be men. Mm. It is to our shame that they are not. In Isaiah chapter 3, verse 12, the Lord laments over the fact that uh, that women are ruling over his people. It says, my people, infants are their oppressors and women rule over them. Oh, my people, your guides mislead you and they have swallowed up the course of your paths. So one of the ways that we can look at a culture, at a society and see that God's judgment is upon them, that they have gone astray from the truth and have followed after their own relativity is to see that women are ruling over the men. Mm. If you see that in a culture and in a society, that is a group that has gone away from God's natural order, Mm -hmm. what he has designed within the home, and then should also be demonstrated in the community and in the larger society as a whole. And they've gone after those things that are contrary to nature. So women are ruling over men and infants are becoming the wise of the society. Hmm. You look at right now how uh, the the wisdom of sage and older persons is not being regarded, but you've got right. youths riding in the streets. Right, yeah. yeah. That's what's going on right now. Infants have become our oppressors and women rule over us. That's what's going on in our nation. So yeah. if if we were to see it done God's way within our nation, we would see that all nine of those justices on the Supreme Court would be men. Hmm. We would see that uh, of the nominees that we have running for president, we would not have a woman within this yeah. this nomination process, which is, uh, uh, you know, you've got Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Mm-hmm. Somebody's going to go, well, whoa, whoa, wait, gay. What about uh, John McCain and um, oh, I've even forgotten her name now. <laughs> Sarah Palin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, were, were you for that? Well, yeah, I voted for John McCain as well, but I would not have wanted a woman in the vice president position. I wouldn't want her as president of the United States either. Mm-hmm. But you're talking about a conservative candidate versus one that's going to be putting forth all of these um, uh, uh, legislations that will kill unborn children. I'm going to go with the person who's conservative. Yeah. And that's the case with with uh, Barrett, who's probably going to be the one that Trump is going to present as his nominee tomorrow. Mm-hmm. She's pro-life. So I'm going to hope that somebody that's on that bench is going to defend the right to life for unborn children because they have just as much a right to live as anyone else. Yes, they do. That's what I'm going to hope for the uh, the nominee that's on the court. But still, that should be a man. Mm-hmm. All nine of those justices should be men. 
The responses were quite interesting. Rosemary in Indiana said, I agree with the first half of that statement that I support who Trump is going to present, Mm -hmm. who he's nominating. She says, I agree with the first half, but not the second. I do, however, respect your logical consistency and not pretending that we have a God-fearing president right now. It is a sad thing when we can't disagree in the body without personal attacks. Blessings, brother. Uh, so I appreciated the disagreement mm. and doing so in a respectful way. Yeah, Thank you, Rosemary. Definitely. That was very much appreciated. Keith from Nebraska. A judge is not a pastor or elder. It's a civil, it's a civil position, not a religious one. My response to Keith was, in God's created order, he did not intend for women to rule over men. Florence replied, Amen. From a woman. (laughs) But Janie from Georgia said she's been nominated to be one of nine Supreme Court justices, not queen. Uh, Uh, I've got an interesting little factoid for you. Queen is not an authoritative position. Esther was queen. She had no authority. Right. We have references to queens in Israel, but they were not authoritative positions. The king was the one that had the authority, not mm-hmm. the queen. Right. So uh, the the person who has the position of judge actually has authority. A queen, that's not a guaranteed authoritative position. Mm-hmm. Queen of England doesn't have authority. Right. <laughs> she still has to do what parliament says. Uh, Daniel from Florida. Well, I'm going to go tell all the mothers to stop having authority over their sons. I've got two responses to that. Number one, a boy is not a man. And number two, Bathsheba did not have authority over Solomon. She had to go to Solomon and ask him for favors. She could not just do what she wanted to do. So when Solomon was king, Mm -hmm. his mom did not have authority over Solomon. Very true. (laughs) Daniel from North Carolina. Read Acts. Note all of the women and their positions relative to men. You will find equality. When Paul says elsewhere that pastors should be men, etc., that may have been for the Roman culture. We no longer live in Roman times, and there are biblical examples of judges like Deborah. Uh, Virtually nothing that you said there, Daniel, was, was indicative of Scripture at all. Hmm. Nothing you said. You you had no references. Read Acts, he says. Read Acts. Note all the women in their positions relative to men. That doesn't say anything to me at all. Yeah. We don't see anything in Acts of like women were holding equal authority with men. We don't see that. In fact, what you do see when you read the book of Acts is that all of the apostles were men. All pastors are men. Mm-hmm. All elders are men. All deacons are men. That's mm-hmm. what you see in Acts. So if you're looking for like an equality position of authority the book of acts is not is not the place that you want to go right uh then you also make the statement here of like paul's statement indicative of roman culture yeah yeah we've heard that one many times before we no longer live in roman times there are biblical examples of judges like deborah there's only one judge in the bible who is a woman deborah there are not multiple women judges in the bible there was only one mm-hmm. so she is not the norm she right. is an anomaly and she was a judgment over israel just like we have this statement in isaiah three twelve of god mourning over the fact that women are their uh, uh their rulers mm-hmm. and infants are oppressing them Israel, which we see over and over again throughout the book of Judges, went away from the Lord and worshipped idols, and God sent an oppressor to punish them. 
Then the children of Israel cry out for deliverance, and God gives them a judge to deliver them. But in the case of Deborah, which we get to in Judges chapter 4, the the man who should have been the judge, which was Barak, he was the military leader, couldn't make a decision. Mm. He did not have the fortitude to make a decision on his own. And because he didn't, Deborah said to him, then credit for the battle is going to go to a woman, Mm -hmm. to your shame, Mm -hmm. rather than to you. And the woman who got credit for the victory of the battle was J.L. It wasn't even Deborah. Mm -hmm. So Deborah was a judge because Barak did not fill the role that was meant to be filled by a man. Deborah was still a faithful woman. She's a godly woman in the book of Judges. We shouldn't denigrate her in any way and say, well, she was sinful because she was filling the role as a judge god put her as judge as a judgment over the men of israel who weren't stepping up and leading all right if they had been godly men if they were doing what the lord had said they would would not have been in this position of having a woman in authority over them it was to their shame Mm -hmm. and i i i stopped counting the number of references to deborah in the responses once i got past 20 (laughs) I mean, over and over again, people were going, what about Deborah? What about Deborah? Deborah is a favorite. Apparently, I need a what video on Deborah, too. Apparently, I need to do that one. Uh, Another question or another comment here. Pastor JJ from Flint, Michigan. I hesitate to ask, but why would you think that? There are very obvious, clear biblical examples of women judges. Again, no, there's not. There's one. Why would you limit the role beyond what the Bible instructs? (laughs) Why would you limit the role beyond what the Bible instructs? Where does the Bible instruct a woman to have authority over men? On the contrary, it says quite the opposite. Larry in Michigan provides scriptural support for God's mandate that a woman should not hold a position of leadership in the government. And for a statement so strong, your scriptures should be explicit imperatives from the text. Well, Ephesians 5.22, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. This is the basic building block of a society. Mm-hmm. The structure within the home. And the husband is the head of the wife. You go from there out into the community. You go from the community into the city. You go from the city to the state. You go from the state into the federal government. It should always be men that are filling those roles of leadership. Yeah. Especially when you consider that the president of the United States is a military position Mm -hmm. because he is commander and chief. Can you name one warrior woman from the Bible? No, no. Even in the case of Deborah, Barak is the military leader. Mm -hmm. Deborah is telling him what the Lord instructs and Barak goes and does it. He leads the army out to battle. Deborah does not. Mm -hmm. There are no queens over Israel in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, And when you do see a queen who is assuming authority, she's wicked. Jezebel, Maaka, Mm -hmm. these were wicked queens. There is not one woman in the Bible who is a warrior. None of the priests were women. There is no woman prophet with a prophetic ministry. Yeah, you have mention of Huldah and even Deborah in Judges 4 is spoken of as a prophetess, Mm -hmm. but they don't have an ongoing prophetic ministry like 
Ezekiel or mm. Jeremiah or Daniel. Right. It's God has revealed something to them for a period and for a time. And once again, the 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 prophetess that needs to be consulted by the king or in Barak's case by the military leader, it's a judgment on the persons that there is not a man to do that. Right. But that they have to consult a woman to have an understanding of what God desires. Mm -hmm. Not one woman wrote any book of the Bible. There were no women apostles. There's not one example of a woman pastor in the Bible. Even the angelic beings are all described in masculine terms. Mm. So this is what we have in scripture as far as the leadership is concerned. Men are supposed to step up and lead. And it is to a man's shame when he doesn't. And it's not just because it's that's the way it was back then it's because that's the way creation started that's the way god started it right with adam being formed first mm -hmm. and then his wife eve that was taken from man which is why adam called her woman because mm -hmm. it was taken from man but the man is still the head of the household and the man is supposed to be the one who is leading who is defending mm -hmm. who is providing who is judging and executing those rules and those laws, so on and so forth. Yes. These are roles that men are supposed to fill. That is not to take away anything from a woman. That's not to look down on a woman. My right. wife does not think that I look down on her. No. Nope. And the only reason she's quieter now at this point in the program is because she's really tired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's just gradually been drooping over there because we record these late on Thursday night. And yes, this this Thursday night was a, was especially a late one. Yes. Later than usual. Mm -hmm. <laughs> in the heart of my wife, though, roars a 60 ton haul truck, which she mm. used to drive when she worked at a rock quarry yes so i know the independence of this woman and the kind of sacrifices that she makes daily to die to herself and what she would do in her own independence yep but we serve not ourselves we serve the lord christ amen and whenever we go away from what god has created and what his standard of order is supposed to be always going to be chaos in a society that's what we're seeing right now and i'm i'm hoping that uh, the lord will be gracious and merciful and we can get back to being more godly focused in our nation the, yes the nation's gradually been on the decline but i i'm still I, i'm praying for that revival yes we'll see many souls say. saved yes. with the gospel of christ mm -hmm. amen yeah well, all right, babe, I'm going to let you go to bed. Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> let's pray. Yes, let's. Heavenly Father, we thank you again uh, for the time to be able to do this and be able to dive into your word and know your truth. And I pray that we live according to these things and that we know how to apply these things. They're not just it's not just knowledge we're storing up for ourselves. We know we know what the application is, how we live according to this in wisdom uh, how this affects us and how we are to instruct and guide and correct and admonish and encourage one another. And I pray, especially in that encouragement, we're going out with the gospel. We're telling people to repent of sin, believe in Christ and be saved. And none of us are ashamed of that. No matter what the, the government or the mob or anyone else is telling us to do, we desire to serve God and not man. Let our fear be of God and not of people, for it's the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Proverbs 1.7, as we looked at yesterday. Lead us in the way that we go, that we grow in Christ's likeness and represent you in all things. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>